You're listening to Uncommon Democracy, a podcast shining light on the unique stories of everyday people who have a positive impact on their communities. Here is your host of Uncommon Democracy, Philip Oroka. School budgets have been stretched thin in many urban centers across America, and most often, after-school activities such as sports are left with little resources. Black and brown communities are most often the hardest hit by these cuts, and many times, elementary or secondary schools rely on outside resources from not-for-profits, corporations, or individuals in order to fill their funding gap. Tina Cernet is the founder and executive director of The Sports Shed, a not-for-profit organization based in Chicago. The Sports Shed is focused on providing sports equipment and resources to school athletic departments and youth sports programs in the south and west sides of Chicago and the suburbs. We talked about her love of sports, which started at an early age, and how an entrepreneurial spirit led her to start the Sports Shed in 2009 with the ultimate goal of gearing up kids for a better future. Tina Cernet, thank you so much for joining us on Uncommon Democracy. How are you doing today? Great. It's uh, finally sunny out um, and it's Memorial Day, so I'm looking forward to spending some time outside. You know, sports are obviously a big part of your life, and we're going to talk a lot about the sports shed. Uh, But I'm curious right now with how the coronavirus uh, pandemic has um, you know, really impacted the sports shed and, um, you know, how are you guys continuing to deliver, uh, sports equipment and the resources that a lot of programs and schools depend on from you guys? How are you guys doing that right now in this, uh, current climate? So when everything first started happening, um, you know, and, and sports were just kind of like shutting down, everyone was canceling everything. Um, we, you know, we're like, what, what are we going to do? Because, you know, what, what we do is provide sports equipment to schools and organizations who are running sports programs. And, um, we, you know, right off the bat, we have a lot of our partners, um, who started doing other things within the community, like, um, you know, food, food, uh, resourcing and, um, you know, providing masks for, people in the community and that sort of thing. So we just started piggybacking on what some of our partners were trying to do. And so, you know, we just kind of jumped on the bandwagon and helped out with uh, providing food, providing masks and and things like that. And then now, you know, since it's been a, a few months into the, into the pandemic, a lot of our programs are trying to figure out how to get their kids involved and active at home. Um, you know, so if, if it's a basketball program or a soccer program, they're doing um, video uh, programming with the kids to try to get them to, you know, to still be working on their skills at home. And one of the things with the organizations that we support a lot of these kids don't have a basketball at home or they don't have a a soccer ball at home. Um, So we're, we've been trying to provide uh, these programs with the equipment necessary to get out to their kids at home so they can, you know, keep practicing and, and working on these skills at home. 
And how does, you know, how is that challenged by the fact that, you know, primarily the sports shed serves uh, kids in the south and west sides of Chicago, although you do some work in uh, the northern suburbs, Waukegan and north Chicago. How how has it become more difficult uh, with the fact that a lot of these kids maybe don't have a reliable access to uh, Wi-Fi or uh, an internet connection? Yeah, you know, actually, the schools really have stepped up a lot, and uh, the you know the the city has stepped up and really done a lot to make sure that they get computers out to the kids. And uh, you know, a lot of the organizations that we work with, that was one of the first things that they were focused on is is getting computer access um, out to the kids and laptops and things like that. So um, just you know, I see that as a big plus with what's happened is, you know, now a lot of kids have access to to Internet and and computers that they didn't before. You know, primarily what the sports shed does is providing sports equipment and, you know, your love of sport uh, really came from when you were a kid uh, and, you know, has continued through uh, college, your career uh, being a parent and uh, starting the sports shed. Can you talk a little bit about uh, where your love of sports really started uh, and uh, why did you decide to, to start the sports shed? So I grew up in St. Louis and um, my I was a big Cardinal fan. My, my dad loved sports and uh, I was a second daughter. So, you know, I think I was probably supposed to be a boy, but, (laughs) but anyway, so my dad just, you know, got us out, um, in the yard and, and we played, uh, basketball, baseball, uh, tennis, you name it. He, um, he got us just act, you know, we were active and involved in, in sports our whole lives. And I, I played in high school basketball and, and softball. And I mean, sports just really, um, was something I loved and I learned a lot. I feel like a lot of my um, confidence and, you know, just abilities and, you know, working hard and um, going after what, you know, knowing that you have to practice and, and, you know, work hard to get what you want or to to reach your goals in life um, came from um, playing sports. So, uh, and then in regards to my career, I always kind of, I loved uh, working with sports equipment. I worked in a tennis shop. Um, yeah, that was my first job. And then I, uh, worked in a, uh, sporting goods store. And then, you know, later on as this time went on, I worked for the athletes foot stores for several years. And that's kind of how I got, I moved up to Chicago, um, to be a buyer for the 10 athletes foot stores up, up here in Chicago. And I just always had a real interest in the latest, greatest, uh, things that were coming out that that helped athletes become better at at their sport and that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, later on when my kids, I, I had, you know, kids, my, I had two daughters and they played sports, um, you know, and what I noticed while, you know, my kids were growing up, we lived in Vernon Hills, an affluent suburb of Chicago. And I feel like, you know, at that time, the early 2000s, um, youth sports just like skyrocketed in terms of 
um, you know, parents just making sure their kids were playing every sport possible and uh, buying them the latest, greatest, whatever they needed to be good at, um, at their sport. It, it was kind of like overkill in, in terms of what I, I saw people doing. Um, and, and that is really kind of the driving factor to starting the sports shed is, you know, we, we as parents did the same thing with our kids. You know, we bought them, if they wanted to try tennis, we bought them a really nice tennis racket. If they, you know, were excelling in softball, you know, we, even though they only used the bat that they had a couple times, we bought them a better bat because we thought that would make them, you know, one of the best players on the team. Um, but with doing that, um, you notice that, you know, you've got a big pile of really quality sports equipment piling up in your garage and you're like, what, you know, there's gotta be kids out there who don't have the, the same resources that we do in the affluent suburbs. And, you know, let's, let's find a way to get this equipment into the hands of kids who, you know, don't have the same opportunities. What was that experience like with, you know, I, I would imagine that finding sports equipment you know, maybe wasn't the most difficult thing, but placing the equipment in the right programs, the mm -hmm. right uh, schools, you know, how difficult was that in finding the right partners along the way? So when, you know, the idea of starting the sports shed based on, you know, there, there must, there's the fact that there was so much quality sports equipment sitting around in, in people's garages, getting, you know, collecting it and getting it all into, um, you know, one space and figuring out, you know, what the needs were out there. I honestly, I, I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> when I started the organization in terms of um, how much need there was um, and still is in, in the Chicago area. But, um, you know, once I kind of jumped in and, and started, you know, creating partnerships, finding schools and sports leagues and whatnot um, that, basically had little to no funding for sports or sports equipment, um, you know, tr trying to match up those needs. It was a big challenge and it still is a big challenge. And we've had to, um, you know, find a lot more sources to provide like new uniforms and um, the, the right type of, you know, basketball. If you're playing in a um, competitive high school league or whatever, you need a Wilson, evolution ball, you know, so I can't just take a, a used rubber basketball from the shed, you know, so we've had to find great, much, you know, greater and, and more different types of resources um, in order to get the, the type of equipment and the quality of equipment that's needed um, for the schools and programs that we serve. Yeah. And, you know, I remember from a previous conversation, you talking about how, uh, again, it wasn't difficult to find the right equipment, but the, you know, the equipment might be two, three, four, five years out of date. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, what your organization wants to do is provide new equipment. And can you talk about how, you know, new equipment, whether it's a jersey, uh, a new basketball a new football, mm -hmm. you know, talk about, I guess, the kind of unforeseen positive uh, mm -hmm. effect that has on kids where they have a new piece of equipment versus mm -hmm. maybe a used piece of equipment from mm -hmm. two or three years ago. Right. 
So, um, you know, a lot of times uh, people say, you know, well, if, if they don't have anything, you know, why, why, why can't they just use this ball that barely holds air or whatever? Um, and it's, uh, you know, what I've learned is that, uh, you know, when you, when you give or provide uh, things of value to kids, then they feel valued. Um, and when they, you know, when they receive that first like brand new Jersey with their school's name on it, um, and, and they have, you know, they're a team now that ha all has the same Jersey and they're not just throwing together, like, you know, used, um, used things that, that don't really match up or whatever. Um, it makes them feel like they're part of a team, part of a family and, and that they are participating in sports, just like what they see on TV. And it just, it just really helps them, um, visualize that, you know, that value in themselves and then gives them hope. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think hope is such a, is such a huge part of this. Uh, you know, I certainly played plenty of sports growing up, whether it was baseball, uh, basketball or soccer. And I really did take for granted, uh, a lot of the equipment that, uh, my parents purchased for me. Um, you know, one of the things I'm also very curious about is, uh, the sports shed just celebrated its 10th anniversary. So congratulations. Uh, however, it hasn't been a, you know, straight line of growth. Uh, you know, I know in the last couple of years, you guys have uh, stabilized the organization and really continued to, to take off. But those six, first six or seven years uh, were a little bit difficult. Talk about, you know, how you kind of persevered through that. Yeah, I got to tell you, like I said earlier, I really had no idea what I was getting myself into when I started this organization. But, um, you know, just the I, I would say the the most difficult part of, you know, starting a nonprofit organization and really building it to a sustainable place is is the funding piece. And, you know, uh, it's the funding piece is way harder than, you know, anyone <laughs> can imagine. And, you know, just trying to round out, um, you know, how to get individual funding and corporate funding and grants. Um, it, it, and the, the other thing, too, it, it kind of like takes money to to get money. The first five or six years, um, you know, we were just always in this state of, you know, barely having enough money to like, you know, make it to the next month. And, uh, you know, there were tons of times, you know, many times a day sometimes that I would just be like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. It's just, you know, I'm working 24 <laughs> seven, just trying to, you know, provide this, the resources that we're doing. And then, you know, on top of it, do all the fundraising. But in recent years, we, um, uh, you know, we, we were able to create some partnerships with some local companies like Rustolium. Um, we, the, the CEO of Rustolium uh, joined our board and uh, we were able to, you know, uh, do some programs with them where we were able to, you know, raise some, some larger funding that kind of put us on the map. So I'm really glad that I was able to persevere through all those years and, and times of just like, you know, are we going to make it? Um, but here we are. Yeah. And you guys are continuing to, to thrive here. Uh, just getting past the, the 10th anniversary. 
Um, are there specific success stories that you're most proud of? You know, I read in a in an interview that there was a, a program uh, in in the city of Chicago uh, at a at a at a high school, and um, I'd love for you to talk about that because I think that's just a fantastic story and t- goes directly to the success the sports shed has has had. Yeah. Um... The, I think the example you're thinking of is is uh, is one of my favorites is uh, uh, in regards to uh, a school called Sarah Good STEM Academy. They're a high school on the southwest side of Chicago. They opened up in 2012, and um, in 2013, I uh, was I met up with the uh, the part time athletic director, and at the time they only had. Uh, a baseball boys baseball team and a boys basketball team and um, when the school was built it was built with this beautiful football field and the ironic thing is they had literally next to nothing in a budget for a football program and so she was you know coming to me and saying hey what can you guys do can you help us um, get a football program started we have about three thousand dollars in our budget (laughs) And if you know anything about football equipment and how expensive it is, um, I mean, you know, it would cost at least $10,000 $10, for football helmets, you know, and that doesn't even count, you know, getting all the um, uniforms and equipment and fielding, you know, practice gear and all that stuff. So um, we were able to, and that's that's when we started our relationship with Rustolium. And then a few of our other uh, local partners uh, chipped in and we were able to get brand new Resta, uh, brand new Riddell helmets and all the gear they needed and, and everything they needed to start up their football program. And the really cool thing about that is once they, you know, got the, their football team up and running, then that was just a, a catalyst to um, the, the interest in sports for the whole school. So, you know, dial, dial ahead to now, and they have 26 programs, um, girls and boys, they have girls and boys, soccer, girls and boys, basketball, um, volleyball, swimming, wrestling, uh, track and field. Um, and they have, uh, football at, at three levels now, um, you know, freshman, sophomore, and, what is it? Varsity. <laughs> and, you know, it's just really cool to see like how big of a difference that, you know, we were, we were able to make in, in just that one school. Absolutely. And is there, um, you know, is there a specific story within Sarah Good STEM Academy that, uh, you know, that really kind of stands out amongst the rest uh, from all the different teams that you, that the school has, uh, has now operating? Um, I mean, I guess that that's a tough question. Um, I mean, the one that we were probably the most invo- involved in was the football program and, and, you know, always stands out in my mind is honestly, I didn't know that much about football equipment myself. <laughs> and, and the, the athletic director at the time, she was, um, you know, didn't know that much either. And we literally just rolled up our sleeves and, you know, went to school on, you know, what do, what do we need? What do we have to, what, what are the bare bones we have to have to, um, to get it going? And, um, 
you know, just, it was literally a miracle um, that we were able to uh, access all the items that we needed and, and get, and get it going. So it was kind of cool. So, you know, Tina, you, you've, you've talked about how, uh, you know, city of Chicago public schools are really under-resourced, under-invested compared to suburban schools. And, you know, your uh, two daughters went to Vernon Hills High School. uh, And, you know, in a previous conversation, I was just uh, amazed at the funding gap between what your girls experience at Vernon Hills High School and what you're seeing in uh, a Chicago public school setting. So um, basically, a great great way to uh, for you, you know for people to understand is I went to the athletic director at Vernon Hills High School several years ago and I said, "What is the annual budget you know for athletics here?" And in round numbers, it's roughly seven million dollars um, annual budget for for their athletics. And to compare that to the the high schools that we work with. Um, all their budgets are 30,000 or less. So, you know, when you look at what you can do with 30,000, you know, compared to the 7 million, um, I mean, you know, they're barely able to, you know, pay for a few buses and taking care of their facilities and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, a lot of these coaches take money out of their own pockets to buy, you know, um, equipment or uniforms or whatever, is needed. They're literally scraping by just to get these kids, you know, the opportunity to play. So, so Tina, one of the things that uh, is very apparent is the need for funding equipment uh, far outweighs uh, the amount of resources that are flowing into schools, whether it's directly through Chicago public schools or through not-for-profits like the Sports Shed. You know, you guys have impacted over 50,000 kids and uh, programs have received in excess of $2 million of sports equipment since you guys started in 2009, then those numbers are phenomenal, but the need keeps growing. Uh, talk a little bit about how big that need is and mm-hmm. you know, how can uh, the Sports Shed and you know, our listeners help to kind of close that gap? Right. So, you know, basically one of the things that I've learned over the course of time and and really um, helps, you know, guide kind of my our goals for the future is um, and like our tagline used to be, you know, that we uh, provide sports equipment for kids in need. And we changed that to gearing up kids for a better future. And why we did that is because we um, are really just part of the broader solution. You know, we're just part of that. And um, what I really want to urge people to learn more about and become more aware of is that these these areas of the south and west west side of Chicago, um, they are in desperate need of investment um, in education, in you know, jobs, all, you know, tons of things. And, um, you know, providing sports equipment is great. Uh, and, you know, but there are 600 schools in Chicago alone. Um, and, you know, like I said, we, we um, are just a piece of that, um, 
that puzzle or whatever you want to call it. Tina, you know, the 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 sports shed has now been around for 10 years. Um, when you look five to 10 years down the road, where do you want your organization to be? Um, well, I basically uh, see our organization as being um, a, a part of a broader solution, um, which is, you know, continuing to invest in these communities uh, on the southwest or on the south and west side of Chicago, where there's literally 600 schools that are, um, you know, have little to no funding for not only sports, but um, you know, good age, good education for these these kids. And uh, to be quite honest, there's a huge racial divide. Um, you know, five to 98% of these kids are black and brown kids um, that that go to these schools. And, you know, I think becoming aware of the need for um, investing so that there can be real change so that these these neighborhoods can become prosperous where, you know, children of color can be safe and thrive and have opportunities that um, that we as, you know, mostly with a white population in the affluent suburbs have. And, you know, it's, I'd rather them, I'd rather them not have the need for us. <laughs> um, so, you know, if we dialed 20 to 30 years from now, if these communities are prospering on their own, um, you know, and, and these families can, can, you know, provide a, a great home for their kids and um, a good education and, you know, they're, able to provide extras for their kids like sports and music and arts um that's where where my brain goes when i when i look to the future and and see what i want sports shed to, to be a part of that broader solution yeah and you know i'm imagining that's going to need more fun that's going to mean more funding right mm -hmm. yeah uh, yeah so how can our listeners find the sports shed online and what's the best way to help uh the sports shed, sports shed succeed uh in the the next five to ten years great so you can go to the sportshed.org and check out you know more about us and kind of see more of the details of you know who we help and exactly how we do it and of course you can you know, donate online. Um, and then, you know, another thing to keep in mind is if you have access to resources um, in the sports world, um, if you, uh, you know, have resources to equipment or manufacturers of equipment, that sort of thing, uh, we're always looking to uh, increase um, the numbers, the number of people on our board. So if that's something you, you know, are passionate about sports and um, you want to learn more about how you can you know, join our organization um, or volunteer for us. There's, you know, reach out to us um, for those types of opportunities too. And do you guys have uh, social media handles that oh, yeah, uh, yeah. that our, our listeners can follow? We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So follow us on those. And uh, we put a lot of stories out there and pictures and videos. So you can see, um, you know, firsthand what we're, what we're up to and, and who we're helping out. And then, you know, I, th I think one of the questions that I always like to, to end with is, you know, you you really have a an entrepreneurial spirit. 
Uh, and, you know, you, you started the sports shed from the ground up. Uh, uh, if there are, if there are people out there that are interested in getting involved in their community, uh, you know, but maybe starting a not-for-profit is, is a little bit of a, a, a difficult undertaking, you know, what would be your pieces of advice for them to, uh, to get involved in their community and, and, uh, and, and help out uh, organizations like the Sports Shed? You know, I would, there are tons of nonprofit organizations nowadays and that are doing great work. And, you know, whatever you're passionate about, um, I would do some research and find out what programs or organizations maybe in your community or, or outside of your community, like in, in the ones that we serve, the, you know, south and west side of Chicago, and, you know, do some research and, and find something that fits within your passion, your um, desires for, for what you want the world to look like. And, uh, you know, find out how you can volunteer, find out they might, they might need um, board members or uh, you may have access to resources that they need. And uh, I would just encourage you to do what you can for organizations that are already out there doing really great work. Well, Tina, thank you so much for joining us on Uncommon Democracy. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I wish you and the Sports Shed nothing but continued success in the years to come. Uh, and uh, thank you again for, for joining us today. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. If you know someone who should be featured on an upcoming show, email us at uncommondemocracy at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for listening to Uncommon Democracy.